Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... We are all safe at home, but we can turn to books for company. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie bookstore trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Hello, Irene. Hello, Yuku. Hello. <laughs> We've never spoken to each other. The first I know. I'm, I was very excited about this. Yes. How are you? Good. I mean, I'm good to a certain extent. How are you? I am good. Just... Getting yeah, to, get, becoming getting to really like my house. <laughs> <laughs> what a great inside of it. it anyway. But you guys have houses, right? I have an apartment. I live in New York, so it, it does get a little difficult. There is darkness in the world, but you must also remember this: humanity can exist anywhere. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 595. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Irene Latham, Karim Shamsi-Basha, and Yuko Shimizu, the authors and illustrator of The Catman of Aleppo. This true story is set in Syria, in the town of Aleppo, during recent wartime. While most of the city sought refuge and fled the city, Many could not leave or chose to stay behind to help. This is a story about one of those helpers, Muhammad Allah al-Jalil, known to all as Allah, is an ambulance driver who stayed behind to serve his city. I'm going to let the conversation do the talking here, because this is a conversation I think that will really move you. Please welcome my guests, Irene Latham, Karim Shamsi-Basha, and Yuko Shimizu, the authors and illustrator of The Catman of Aleppo. Well, my name is Irene Latham. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'd say I'm a polymath, which means I have a lot of different interests and obsessions that show up in my books. You may know me from my poetry books with Charles Waters, Can I Touch Your Hair?, 
Dictionary for a Better World, our most recent title, or my novels for children or picture books that focus on anything from love of language, history, family, nature, and always, always animals. My name is Kareem Shamsi Basha, and it's a he. And uh, I grew up in the Middle East and then came to the United States when I was 18. And, you know, college, work, whatever. But about 10 or 15, 10, 12 years ago, I started writing for children and I just fell in love with it. And because I have three children, I mean, they're grown, but um, I just became obsessed with it, basically. And um, that's pretty much all I do right now. Hi, my name is Yiko Shimizu. Uh, my pronouns is uh, she, her. Um, as you can tell from my accent, um, I'm originally from Japan. I've been living in New York for uh, 20 plus years. But, uh, my English never gets better. Uh, I'm an illustrator. Uh, this is my second picture book. Uh, I do a lot of different things. A lot of the illustrators have genre, you know, people who work in kids' books, work in kids' books, people who work in comics, work in comics books, editorial. But, like, I do a little bit of everything, maybe because I get bored easily and I, I won't always get challenged and stimulated. Well, can I just say, Yuko, when you do a picture book, you do a beautiful picture book. We Thank have you been, so. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it. I know that we need to <laughs> introduce the book itself, but having just had the opportunity to read The Catman of Aleppo to my my fourth graders throughout the entire last week, um, as well as the readings that I've been doing over story times and things over and over, uh, folks that I read it to, myself included, are just in awe of your work. And Irene and Kareem, that goes as well for your text, you've written such sparse and beautiful text, such an important story shared, and I would love to get into it. So Irene, would you mind sharing a little bit about what is this book? What is this source material, The Cat Man of Aleppo? Oh, I would be glad to. Um, I first learned about The Cat Man of Aleppo, Allah, which is what the world calls him. Um, on Twitter, this is a very much a social media phenomenon when uh, the thick of the fighting in Aleppo, we were getting just horrible news stories. All the time. And then across the Twitter feed comes the story of this ambulance driver who, instead of fleeing, like so many did, um, so many refugees that came out of Syria during that time, he decided to stay. And during his work, he saw all of these cats who had been left behind by people who had to flee quickly and they were not able to bring their pets and he took it upon himself to use his forces, limited as they were to start feeding and caring for these cats and that eventually developed into a sanctuary for the cats um, that has moved many times because of fighting and destroying the, the facilities where he has been. Um, Kareem can tell about the the current the current location. But um, so it was really just this story of somebody doing something beautiful in the time of war that me as a, a story that I just wanted to bring to children. Um, so that's kind of where it started. 
Yeah, to bring Kareem into this, I'd love for you to share a little bit about about why you reached out to him. You do it so beautifully. You say it so beautifully in the the author's notes that you each leave in the back of the book. Irene, um, I was I I was moved knowing knowing the why of how this became a co written book. But I'd love to hear it in your own words, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd be glad to. Well, um, my background is I spent a number of years overseas with my family growing up, and um, it was a huge impact on me in terms of I knew from from as early as I can remember that not everybody looks like me, not everybody lives like me, and it just really instilled in me this great curiosity about the world. And so when I saw this story, of course, I realized that I'm not Syrian. This is not my country. This is not my story. But it was really important. I felt so attached to it to help bring it to the world. And then I remembered Kareem. And Kareem's just such a bright light. And uh, we'd run into each other um, quite a few times uh, in the literary community in Birmingham, Alabama, where we both live um, or lived at the time. I've since moved. But um, and I was wanting to write for children. So I just thought, oh, wow, what? authenticity and uniqueness could Kareem bring to this story. And I was just so thrilled. Kareem had not heard of the cat man, but he, as soon as he heard about him, he was like, yes, he was all in. So his enthusiasm was just, it was pretty remarkable. I love it. So much. Yeah. I'd love to hear um, in your own words, Kareem, what it was like to, to learn about this story and then to, set about on that journey with Irene of, of writing a manuscript together? Well, uh, <clears throat> be happy to. When Irene came to me and said, have you heard about the the guy in Aleppo, Syria, who's saving all the cats? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was sort of ashamed. So I looked him up and she, she said, let's do it. I want to do a picture book and I would love your help. And I'm like, I jumped in all in. Basically, for the the mere reason of the all you hear about the Middle East and the Islamic countries, the word Islam is associated with terrorism, unfortunately, and it's just a picture that people have. And anything humane, beautiful, good coming out of a Muslim country is going to be great. And I, I do believe that you know, teaching our kids before they form worldviews that the humanity can exist anywhere is beyond important, really. And so I jumped in and, and started look, looking at the story, and um, it was incredible. I, I called, I just called him and, and spoke to him several times, and he was thrilled. And, you know, it just, it just kind of came together very, fairly quickly. The book didn't take much. I mean, it wrote itself. I love that. I love knowing that and then reading this text and how smoothly it flows and doesn't feel bogged down. It feels like an individual who has a mission and is just connecting threads one after another. Well, I'm doing this work with the ambulance, but now I'm seeing these cats and I need to help here. And now I'm raising money and I'm opening a shelter and I'm helping more. It just feels, it feels somehow like you both have managed to structurally mirror how things came together for Allah. I, I, I found the story just very 
smooth to read, and more importantly, to read aloud over and over. Oh, thank you. That's that's so nice to hear. Really nice to hear. You always worry about the language and, and the rhythm and the pacing. So that's really good to hear. Thank you, Matthew. You know, I would imagine, too, we nonfiction sometimes can run that risk of what if we leave something out? We only have this one time to tell this story. But in doing that, it can be uh, very, you know, text heavy on the page, not necessarily leaving a lot of room for illustration. And yet you both left abundant space for ultimately Yuko to come in and do this exceptional work. And Yuko, I have to say, when I was sharing this with my children, with my students, we looked at your photo references for the book because that I realized was also something that I don't recall seeing in many nonfiction books that I've read pointing readers straight back to what you looked at to make sure that the art and that the setting and that this man was portrayed the way that the way that he is. So I, I found that. Yes. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Uh, thank you. So I've never been to Middle East and as a Japanese illustrator, you know, like my first kid's book uh, that was published maybe five or six years ago, uh, written by Marisa Moss, it is called Barbed Wire Baseball. And it was about um, baseball player in the Japanese American internment camps. So it was like an obvious choice, you know, for me to illustrate, especially the writer uh, was a, a white American female writer. And so they needed someone Japanese to, you know, like share share this experience at creating. Uh, then, you know, like this is completely different because I actually have never been to Syria. And at this point, when I uh, illustrated the whole thing, I had never been to Middle East. Since then, I, I finally went to Middle East right before this uh, coronavirus hit. Like I came back at the right timing in March, I was in Egypt. And that was the first time I ever been to a place in Middle East, but it's not, you know, still not Syria. So there is a lot of responsibility for me to make it right because I do see an illustration about Japan drawn by uh, non-Japanese people, people who don't uh, know or understand or live there. And I often, you know, get like notice little things here and there that irritates me a little bit because like, oh, it's like, you know, they're not understanding. Something that's obvious to me is, of course, not obvious to them and it's not their fault. And um, I'm sure... Uh, a Syrian person look at it and I might have made some mistakes but like I tried my best to make the minimum as possible and the best way the only way to go is read as much as possible although the illustration is not about words but like illustration starts from understanding the culture and history and the background of what story takes place so I spent, I, it was like a year, one year process from start to finish. 
first six months, I didn't do much other than to read and watch some uh, films online and also, um, you know, look at a lot of reference photos. And I tried to gather as many reference photos as possible. And there are some uh, travelers like uploading to YouTube how it is in um, uh, Aleppo. So like that gives me an idea of what kind of city it is, you know, how the city structure. So I try to look as much as possible. Half of the process of making this is about understanding the place and the people and the history that where I have never been. Well, Yuko, as a Syrian person who grew up there, you did an unbelievable job. I mean, that means a lot. <laughs> you, no, I mean that you are. I I never found any mistakes or or anything that looked funny. The portrayal, the, the people, and the place. I, I, I mean, I want to cry every time I look at this oh. book. Not mainly, not mainly because of the humanity story in there, but because it makes me miss home. Wow, it makes me miss home. That's beautiful. yeah, and I remember being so. It is. It's it's so lovely, and I I remember being so impressed when the first email we got from Yuko after Stacy Barney, who's our, our wonderful editor and Cecilia Young had let us know that Yuko was going to be the illustrator. So Yuko was asking, you were asking for these, you know, what reading materials. And I mean, it was in depth, you know, and it was just like, we knew we were, we were in good hands. Hello, fellow book nerds. I'm bringing back the monthly book club, New and Improved. For $25, you can receive one book per month from a title featured on the podcast. Books are hand-selected in partnership with BrainLayer Bookstore. They ship anywhere in the U.S. and Canada, shipping included. And they're also accompanied by a special book club mini podcast episode available to all patrons at this tier breaking down just what makes this book so special and set apart. You love children's books. You love independent bookstores. You love this podcast. Let's combine all of that into one awesome piece of mail each month that can be enjoyed over and over for many months to come. The feature book we picked for May is Hello Neighbor, The Kind and Caring World of Mr. Rogers by Matthew Cordell. It's outstanding, and if you haven't picked it up yet, this is the perfect chance. Visit MatthewCWinner.com, click on Patreon at the top of the page, or use the link in the show notes to access Patreon if you feel like if it's a good fit for you and where you're at right now. And if it's not, sharing the podcast with friends over social media, word of mouth, or any other means still goes a long way. Thanks for listening for sharing, for allowing me into your ears and your laundry folding and your dog walking and your dishwashing each week. I love every minute of it. The attention to detail, I still look at it and I show it to kids. And one of the things I love to tell them is um, there's a picture um, toward the end where there's a barrette in the little girl's hair. <laughs> yeah. And when I first saw the barrette, barrette, yes, I thought that doesn't look like a barrette that you would see in the Middle East. Now see, and this is me, this is this is my own, you know, wrong thinking, stereo, my own stereotyping. And, um, and, and Yuko shows a picture 
Oh, yeah. It, it's not just any barrette. It was a barrette on an actual little girl in a photograph. So that attention to detail, I think, is just amazing and makes this book so such a gift to children who will, will probably never see Syria in real life. Oh, and who, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. The way a, a totally you... different kind of place. Yeah, I'm sorry. To, I didn't mean to step on your words, Irene. I apologize for that. No problem. Go ahead. The way, Yuko, that you see the people of this city in this book is beautiful. I wrote down the, the words that you said. You said, illustration starts from understanding, which tells me that you weren't just trying to get details right. You were seeking to, to demonstrate that you understood, that you saw them. And I'm constantly talking to my children about what it means to be seen and to have your story seen. The text of this book does that in a really great way, too. Irene and Kareem, you both keep the language in present tense. And you start, do you mind if I read to you? I'd like to read to you if that's okay. Please, absolutely. Please. Your text begins, Allah loves his city of Aleppo. He loves its narrow alleys and covered bazaars selling pistachios, jasmine soap, and green za'atar. He loves the boiled corn and dried figs offered on the street. Most of all, he loves the people of Aleppo. They are gentle, polite, and loving, like him. Even when war comes to Aleppo, Allah doesn't, feel, doesn't flee like so many others. And in these first three, or I should read the page, he continues his work as an ambulance driver. He swerves through rubbled streets and carries the wounded to safety. He comforts and holds them. Allah has a big heart. And in these first three spreads, what I was going to say is, is that alone, Yuko, and Irene, and Karim, you take me to three places juxtaposed that I've never seen in a children's book before. And I know as a, as a child, I had never seen before. And that is from this busy market where life is thriving to a page that's nearly completely blacked out, except for a man, Allah, crying at his window as a city is bombed. And then to that third page where it says that he stayed and worked and we just see the city ruined. We see rubble. We see people bandaged. Um, it's just, it's striking. There's every composition in this book feels like it lands with such intention and such strong voice that, I mean, as Kareem was saying, I was really... I was really moved by the way this book works. The the detail that is portrayed in those illustrations, I never said this to Yuko directly, but, but I'd like to. The, the way you illustrated this book and the way the words and the pictures came together uh, to convey the message of humanity. Humanity can be found anywhere. That's it. That's the message. That's what we're saying with this book. And yes. the, the way the way the illustrations and the words came together really blows my mind. I mean, I, I don't. I've been. I, I don't think I've ever been into any project like this before. 
I love that. Speaking of the humanity that that is echoed throughout this book, the art and the words, the illustration you go that I always stop on is where Allah is looking at his phone and you have all of these text bubbles and and icons and people popping up and it's just I look love that. right it just look at the world reaching out but the the iconography that's going the symbolism that's going on in that art is astounding and i love kareem my favorite tease from that page is that you flip the page and it shows the sanctuary that he's able to open and what do we see on the left hand side of the page but those little chat bubbles still coming yeah, through yeah. the trees oh my yeah. word i love it i thank you for noticing that <laughs> i every time i if you could imagine you go a librarian reading in front of children on computer or not the smile i got at the anticipation of I know what you're about to see on this next page, but you don't know yet. And I'm so delighted by what's in store for your eyes. It was just, it's, this book is a delight and it's, it, I've never had children beg for me to read the author notes to them, to spend time in this book. Can you go back to the beginning, Mr. Winner, and read Allah's note again? It was just like, <laughs> this book is just amazing. I can't, I can't even, ah, I can't even. It's just wonderful. If you, if, if you go, if you go one more page, uh, uh, Matthew, that's my favorite with the monkeys hanging from above and the kids all playing. And then you look up in top left and you see a lot tending to flowers. It's very simple. Yeah. He's just tending to flowers. But when did you hear of somebody tending to flowers coming out of Syria. Never. You've never heard of that. That's what I love about these illustrations. You're looking at that they art. Make my, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. They, they make the country like any other country. We're not, we're not bad people. We tend to flowers. We tend to flowers. We're not bad people. Oh my God, I love that. That page... We look at that page and learn that it wasn't just cats. It was all of these other animals. But as your eye wanders the page, because these animals are not named, you're right. Allah is just there to be discovered with his flowers. As you're discovering a dog and sheep and a fox and a, and a hawk and these monkeys, that here he is too. And all the animals in that spread are actually uh, from the photo references from the sanctuary. They keep a really good record of all the photos on Facebook and Twitter feed. So I downloaded all the photos and put in the uh, folder, you know, animals from the sanctuary. <laughs> and then I drew from, from there. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, on the on the next page, if we want to keep going page by page, which I would delight doing, on the next page you show us children playing together, right? But they're playing, and some of them are in have crutches or bandages, but they have the joy of being together, right? 
the war is not erased. The consequences of what's going on in their city and in the world is not erased. But it's that humanity that, that you are reminding us of. The three of you are reminding us of that they that, that there is something here about humans being together and caring for one another. Yeah, he, he he built an orphanage as well, so it's not just animals. The the guy is takes care of anything, anything alive that needs him. He's he's aware of it and takes care of it. Has he uh, had a chance to read this book yet in, oh, in yeah. its final he, form? He, yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, one of his uh, admirers sent him one, and he <laughs> he freaked out. He called me. It was three o'clock in the morning here, <laughs> and, and and he was like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, but I I have to tell you, I'm, I'm I love this book." I, and he couldn't couldn't stop talking about it. That's so, that's so neat. The one of the people that's supporting him was like, "You need to see this book." I know. Have you seen this? <laughs> I mean, he knew about it. He knew about it, but of course, he didn't know that it was out. Wow. One of one of my favorite things, Matthew, about the book is the author's note and the yeah. fact that um, Penguin was was able to print it in Arabic too. And I just think it's so beautiful on the page. And um, the other day, Kareem and I participated in a in a virtual book signing at a local bookstore, and Kareem taught me how to write my name in Arabic. <laughs> so, so fun! Just um, tell him what I said when I looked at it. He said it looked like a grader <laughs> and it was adorable how that, that sounds like a it great teacher adorable. complimenting you it looked like a first grader did it <laughs> so oh, i'm learning yeah. how to write in arabic now so um it's really awesome yeah well i have i have a sense that this book and giving so many children around the world a chance to see themselves or to see their country or where their family comes from uh, will connect you even more with opportunities to learn how to write <laughs> and um, to learn even more about about um, other people and other heroes. And isn't that the testament of how books can connect us in that way? Ah, it's wonderful. To have Muhammad Allah Al-Jalil with this message opening our story and reminding us this is a story about cats and war and people, but most of all, it is a story about love. And I felt like that's the story of, of all of us on this earth. We are all called to be a story of love to one another. So how, how beautiful. Just cover to cover. Y'all did a great job. Well, it's all because of Allah. I mean, it's really, it's his story and uh, we really want the world to know about his good works and we can all, we can all be that person, you know, and there are people out there doing good and, and to be inspired by that Yes. and recognize that. I have had such a lovely time speaking to the three of you. <laughs> I hesitate to say this because I really don't want it to end, but I've watched our time and our time has passed and I think it's time for us to close a chapter and give you the opportunity to speak to your readers so that this conversation can reach them and this conversation can reach 
the people that read to them. So first, let me say, Irene, Karim, Yuko, thank you so much for taking time to speak to me today, but more importantly, for taking time to tell Allah's story. It's a beautiful book. You've done an exceptional job, and I'm so grateful that his story will now be heard by more people. Thank, Thank you, so you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much. Oh, it's <laughs> we'll be talking about this book for a while, but uh, <laughs> until that mo- moment, uh, let me turn to you, um, Irene, and and ask you this question. And I'll just go down the line, Irene. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? To all those beautiful children, look around you. How can you help someone or something today? Be a helper. Thank you. Kareem, is there a message that I can bring to our children from you? There is. Uh, My message to the children is to look for humanity anywhere and everywhere. It can be anywhere and everywhere. Thank you. And finally, Yuko, is there a message that I can bring to the children from you? I mean, uh, Irene and Karim said like everything I want to say, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, there is like so much hate going around, especially among adults, right? And the kids get sort of like get involved because adults have like so much hate going on right now, but like, there are many people who don't look like you, who don't speak like you, maybe different language, cultures different, living in a different country, different circumstances. But at the end, we are all same, you know, like, yeah, like, like Irene said, like Karim said, like, be that good person, you know, and that's, that's all I want to say. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. 
Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.